Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to the works of Stephen King. Need an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, and more? Make sure to visit Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order anytime, and there's always free shipping to the United States. That's Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Circle Opens. I am Sarah, and as always, I hope that you guys have had a uneventful but fun week. It is almost March, and it's very odd to me because it somehow still feels like March 2020, like that month was just one long whirlpool of crap. <laughs> but the sun has been shining lately in Ohio. The The snow is melting. Birds are outside. It's been really nice. But since it's Ohio, I'm not getting my hopes up that an early spring is among us because um, Ohio has a tendency of shifting seasons within a day. So you never know. But I digress. Anyway, I wanted to point out something before we get started on this week's short story. I did have somebody point out to me that the last two episodes of The Circle Opens had some weird ticking sound or clicking um, just throughout the entire episodes. I didn't hear anything when I was doing my editing, but I did go back today and pulled up the podcast on Apple Podcasts and I did hear what was mentioned. So my apologies for that. If it was really annoying, I'm so sorry. I think I know what the problem was and I amended it. So I'm hoping that this episode will be void of all of those little annoyances. And if I have time and can actually do it, I'm still kind of a novice at this whole thing. I will go back and re-edit those episodes or re-record them if I have to, to get rid of those weird little sounds that were going on in the background. So my apologies for that. Hopefully this will be okay. If you guys do hear anything strange in this episode beyond just me talking, please uh, reach out and let me know. You can find me obviously on social media at The Circle Opens, or you can just email me at thecirclecloses at gmail.com. So we are going to talk about Gray Matter, which is the seventh short story in Stephen King's Night Shift. It was originally published in the October 1973 edition of Cavalier Magazine. It was also adapted in 2019 for Creepshow, which is now, I guess you can watch Creepshow on Shudder, which is a subscription service that really caters to horror fans. And I have not yet seen this. I did have Shudder for a while, but I unsubscribed for some reason. But I think I'm going to have to resubscribe just to watch this. I've heard really good things about it, so I'm kind of excited to see uh, this take on Stephen King's short story. So Grey Matter takes place in Bangor, Maine, and it begins at a convenience store during a terrible snowstorm. The convenience store is called Henry's Night Owl. At Henry's that day is Bill Pelham, Bertie Connors, Carl Littlefield, Henry himself, and the unnamed narrator. It's a quiet day due to the weather, but when the door opens, they all look up to see Timmy Grenadine walk in, the son of Richie Grenadine. According to the narrator, Timmy looked like he had just kissed the wrong end of a baby. Timmy looks immediately for Henry. He tells him that Henry's got to take Richie his beer because he cannot stand to go back there. He's scared. When Henry asks Timmy if his dad's been on a drunk, the narrator thinks, I realized when he said that, that Richie hadn't been in for quite some time. Usually he'd be by once a day to pick up a case of whatever beer was going cheapest at that time. A big fat man with jowls like pork butts and ham hock arms. 
Richie always was a pig about his beer, but he handled it okay when he was working at the sawmill out in Clifton. Then something happened. A pulper piled a bad load, or maybe Richie just made it out that way, and Richie was off work, free and easy, with the sawmill company paying him compensation. Something in his back. Anyway, he got awful fat. He hadn't been in lately, although once in a while I'd seen his boy come in for Richie's nightly case. Nice enough boy. Henry sold him the beer, for he knew it was only the boy doing as his father said. Timmy confirms that Richie's on a drunk, and it's awful. So Henry takes him in the back to get the details. Afterward, he takes Timmy upstairs to his apartment, where his wife can make him a toasted cheese sandwich. Then, Henry recruits a few of the men to accompany to Richie's house with his beer. The narrator and Bernie opt to go as Carl has bad arthritis and Bill didn't have much use of his right arm anymore. They grab four six-packs and Henry shows the men what Timmy handed him. It's the money, but it's covered in gray, slimy stuff. The three men take the beer and head out into the horrible weather where Henry shows them that he brought his gun. He meant business. And then he tells the men what Timmy told him. How it must have been something in the beer. You know how you can get a bad can every now and then. Flat or smelly or green as the pea stains in an Irishman's underwear. A fellow once told me that all it takes is a tiny hole to let in bacteria that'll do some damn strange things. The hole can be so small that the beer won't hardly dribble out, but the bacteria can get in. And beer's good food for some of those bugs. Anyway, the kids had Richie brought back a case of golden light, just like always that night in October, and sat down to polish it off while Timmy did his homework. Richie exclaims that the beer tastes nasty, but he drinks it anyway. Timmy said the can smelled like something crawled in there and died. Two days later, Timmy came home from school and found Richie in front of the TV with every shade in the house pulled down. When Timmy went to turn on the light, Richie yelled at him to turn it off and then told Timmy to go buy his beer. When the kid gets back, his dad's sitting in the dark, only now it's dark outside too, and the TV's off. The kid starts getting the creeps. Well, who wouldn't? Nothing but a dark flat and your daddy's sitting in the corner like a big lump. So he puts the beer on the table, knowing that Richie don't like it so cold it spikes his forehead. And when he gets close to his old man, he starts to notice a kind of rotten smell, like an old cheese someone left standing on the counter over the weekend. He don't say shit or go blind, though, as the old man was never what you'd call a cleanly soul. Instead, he goes into his room and shuts the door and does his homework. And after a while, he hears the TV start to go, and Richie's popping the top in his first of the evening. Over the next two weeks, the smell starts getting worse and worse. Richie continued to sit in the dark. Timmy had to do his homework at a friend's house just for the light. And one evening, Richie's wrapped up in a blanket, shivering. He shows Timmy his hand, only it doesn't look like a hand. It looks like a gray lump. Richie says it didn't hurt. It felt nice. It's hard for a person to believe these things, but there are strange things in the world. The narrator says, I once knew a fella named George Kelso who worked for the Bangor Public Works Department. He spent 15 years fixing water mains and mending electricity cables and all that. And then one day he just up and quit, not two years before his retirement. Frankie Haldeman, who knew him, said, George went down into a sewer pipe on Essex, laughing and joking, just like always, and came up 15 minutes later with his hair just as white as snow and his eyes staring like he looked through a window into hell. He walked straight down to the PBW garage and punched his clock, went down to Wally's spa and started drinking. It killed him two years later. 
Frankie said he tried to talk to him about it, and George says something one time, and that was when he was pretty well blotto. Turned around on his stool, George did, and asked Frankie Haldeman if he'd ever seen a spider as big as a good-sized dog setting in a web full of kittens and such, all wrapped up in silk thread. Well, what could he say to that? I'm not saying there's any truth in it, but I am saying that there's things in the corners of the world that would drive a man insane to look him right in the face. And Timmy had described to Henry what Richie looked like under that blanket. He said he could still see his dad, but he said it was like he was buried in gray jelly and it was all kind of mashed together. He said his clothes were sticking in and out of his skin like they was melted to his body. And then from there, things escalated. Richie nailed blankets to the windows. The apartment stunk of mush, like when fruit began to rot and ferment with yeast. Richie began to make Timmy heat up his beer on the stove. And then today, Skull had let out early because of the oncoming snowstorm. Timmy went straight home. At the door, he heard something moving around inside. There's a Judas hole in the middle of the door, and it's supposed to have a latch on the inside to fasten it shut. But it's been busted ever since they lived there. So the kid slides up to the door real easy and pushed it open a bit with his thumb and pokes his eye up to it. It took him a minute to get his eye adjusted to the gloom. And then he'd seen a great big gray lump, not like a man at all, slithering over the floor, leaving a gray, slimy trail behind it. And then it sort of snaked out an arm, or something like an arm, and pried a board off the wall and took out a cat. Henry stopped for a second. Bertie was beating his hands together, and it was god-awful cold out there on the street. But none of us was ready to go up just yet. A dead cat, Henry recommenced, that had putrefacted. The boy said it looked all swole up stiff, and there was little white things crawling all over it. And then Richie ate it. All three men are feeling sick, but they know they have to go to Richie's door. Henry with his pistol, Bertie with the beer. The apartment hall seems empty. It has an unused, dusty look. And the door of all three second-floor apartments were closed and locked up. Upstairs, there were puddles of something gray in the hall, slimy stuff eating away at the carpet. Without hesitating, Henry knocks on the door. He tells Richie they brought his beer. It's quiet for a long moment before Richie asks where his son is. The voice wasn't human at all. It was strange and low, bubbly, like someone talking through a mouthful of suet. Henry explains Timmy is at his place having a good meal. There was nothing for a while, and then some horrible squishing noises, like a man in rubber boots walking through mud. Then, that decayed voice spoke right through the other side of the door. Richie explains they need to shove the beer through when he opens the door, but to pull all the ring tabs first, because he can't do it. Henry asks what kind of shape Richie is in, but Richie tells him not to worry about it and to push the beer inside. Henry asks, it's not just dead cats anymore, is it? And suddenly, in a flash of light, I made the mental connection Henry had already made, perhaps even as Timmy was telling his story. The smell of decay and rot seemed to double in my nostrils when I remembered. Two young girls and some old Salvation Army wino had disappeared in town during the last three weeks or so, all after dark. Richie tells Henry to send in the beer, or he'd come out and get it. Henry responds, I guess you better, Richie. There was nothing then, not for a long time. To tell the truth, I began to feel as if it was all over. Then that door burst open so sudden and so hard that it actually bulged before slamming out against the wall. And out came Richie. It was just a second, just a second before Bertie and me was down those stairs like school kids, four and five at a time, and out the door and into the snow, slipping and sliding. 
Going down, we heard Henry fire three times, the reports loud as grenades in the closed hallways of that empty, cursed house. What we saw in that one or two seconds will last me a lifetime, or whatever's left of it. It was like a huge gray wave of jelly. Jelly that looked like a man and leaving a trail of slime behind it. And that wasn't the worst. His eyes were flat and yellow and wild, with no human soul in him. Only there wasn't two. There were four, and right down the center of the thing, betwixt the two pairs of eyes, was a white, fibrous line with a kind of pulsing pink flesh showing through the slit in a hog's belly. It was dividing, you see. Dividing in two. On the way back to Henry's night owl, the narrator keeps thinking about the multiplication table. Two times two is four. Four times two is eight. Eight times two is sixteen, etc. And he says, we got back. Carl and Bill Pelham jumped up and started asking questions right off. We wouldn't answer, neither of us. We just turned around and waited to see if Henry was going to walk in out of the snow. I was up to 32,768 times two is the end of the human race. And so we sat there, cozied up to all that beer, and waited to see which one was going to finally come back. And here we still sit. I hope it's Henry. I surely do. So like the boogeyman, Grey Matter deals with neglectful fathers. And Grey Matter deals with the matter of alcoholism. And I have to say that the Henry's Night Owl store, it did remind me a lot of Hap's Texaco Station with Hap and Stu and Norm and the others. Just these men hanging around, having a drink, shooting the shit, you know, um, not really expecting what's to come and change their lives forever. In the stand, it was Campion wrecking his car and spreading Captain Trips. And here it is Timmy coming into the convenience store and asking for help because of what his father is becoming. A gray, slimy mass, a monster. And this Richie Grenadine is a very fitting symbolism for alcoholism because Timmy is being sent to pick out the beer and bring it home. He wants to keep his dad happy. He doesn't want his father's ire or wrath to be turned on him, so he'll do what his father asks him to do. Until, of course, Timmy cannot take it anymore, and Richie begins to consume a lot more than beer. He's also begun to take on the stink of decay, of fermented yeast, of course, like the beer he continues to drink. He is turning into a piece of gray, pulsating slime, unable to do anything else but consume. When Henry, Bertie, and the narrator arrive to try and handle the situation, they see what kind of monster Richie has really become, and his wrath is turned on them. I think it's very on the nose that Richie has become this disgusting, scary, pulsating, slimy monster. Um, <laughs> I get it. I do. And I think that King has always been really great at taking these everyday, very real horrors in people's lives and turning them into something equally as terrifying. And this gray matter story, it's a little on the nose, but Richie is an alcoholic and Timmy is scared of him because his dad is becoming someone he doesn't know. He's becoming this monster. He's scared of him and take away the pulsating gray slime and you know, eating of cats and obviously probably of people. It's a son being terrified of his alcoholic father. And of course, we see that later in The Shining with uh, Danny and Jack. 
this just seems to be one of those, you know, like the boogeyman. It's a symbol for a crappy father treating his kid um, or his kids as in the boogeyman with neglect and abuse. And, you know, not to get too deep into it, but I think anybody who has had parents who struggle with alcoholism on any level, they've all experienced something you know, similar to what happens in Grey Matter. Of course, it's Stephen King, so it's a monster, and it's these men being terrified of <laughs> who's going to walk through the door. Is it going to be Henry, or is it going to be this multiplying monster um, that was once Richie Grenadine? I also like the nature of the title, Grey Matter, because obviously Grey Matter is a component of the central nervous system. We've all gone to health class, I'm sure. The gray matter, you know, includes regions of the brain that control, you know, your muscles, sensory perception, um, memory, decision making and self-control. Obviously, you know, studies show high alcohol consumption correlates with significant reductions in gray matter volume. So you can only imagine what Richie's own nervous system might have been like and how significantly it was affected. But he's also becoming something akin to gray matter it's overcoming him until he's no longer a man it's just disgusting (laughs) but i do like the smaller details in the story you know like the last name timmy and richie grenadine when grenadine is a non-alcoholic syrup that you can put in cocktails uh, alcoholic cocktails and i like the story i think king you know, like I said, he deals with the symbolism of alcoholism quite well. We all know as constant readers that he continues to write this particular this particular theme, not only in his short stories, but his novels, like I mentioned earlier with The Shining. It's well written. It creates a really dreary atmosphere. I mean, you can really feel the bite of the snowstorm. You can almost smell the rank apartment where Timmy and his father live. You can see the dust in the abandoned apartment hallways, that slime eating away at the carpet. And again, with that ending, it's ambiguous and it leaves you questioning everything, which I swear, this is like the theme of Night Shift. It's those endings where you're just like, what is going to happen? I want more. And I think that is the mark of a really good short story when you wish it was longer and you want to know what's going to happen. And of course, I would be remiss not to discuss the mention of George Kelso. While not outwardly stated, I think that George Kelso seems to have gotten a glimpse of Pennywise. And later, when George turns to drink, King writes, it killed him two years later. Now, (laughs) that is probably a bit of a stretch, but I like to think that it was purposeful. He had not yet written it, but it could have been. You know, maybe just some of that inspiration starting to simmer, dance around in his head of something in the sewers in Maine. I read somewhere, um, somebody mentioned that this book was connected to Dreamcatcher. Not this book, this story, Grey Matter, uh, because Dreamcatcher takes place in Derry. And it's possible, especially if the thing that George saw in the sewer was it, and it takes place in Derry. Now, this story mentions being in Bangor. And obviously, like I said, you know, Bangor is the inspiration for Derry. So I haven't read Dreamcatcher yet. So if anything is mentioned in the story about the happenings in Grey Matter, I don't know. Or maybe they're just assuming that this is all in the same universe. Dreamcatcher, Grey Matter, 
uh, it because of the fact that supposedly they all take place in or around Derry. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that because I really love these connections that King forges in his stories and especially these early short stories, um, just seeing kind of like Night Surf, how that became kind of a jumping off point for him to write The Stand. And, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe that was Pennywise in the sewer and it was already there in his head, you know, wanting to be written. So I just think that this is this is where King's strength is as a writer, writing these relationships between people, good and bad. I think that he just has a this uncanny knack of drawing out relatable family problems, relatable friendships and just really elevating them to something that can either be really touching and emotional or really, really scary and just upsetting, but in an, in a good way, if that's even possible, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I think I would give, I think I would give gray matter probably a four out of five. And that's still pretty good. I don't think I've hated or disliked any short story thus far. So I think next week is battleground. And I know that that is a particular short story that polarizes a lot of people. I I don't think I've ever talked to somebody who was kind of in between on that story. They either really love it or they hate it. So I'm excited to reread it and kind of get my feelings on that story written down. So that is it for this episode of The Circle Opens. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I would love to hear what you think of Gray Matter. Go ahead and Email me at thecirclecloses at gmail.com or you can reach me at thecircleopens.com or the circle opens on social media. And I promise I will get back to you. It's been a strange start of the year, but I, I do have your emails. I appreciate them all. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can leave me a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone who's already done so. You guys are amazing. It really does make my day and makes me very happy. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think that's going to be it for this episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and M-O-O-N, that spells, see you next week.